Surya Sahan. Welcome to the Insurance Story Podcast, and we are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Audible, and YouTube. Today, we are going to discuss a very important topic, which is cyber insurance beyond ransomware. And with that, I welcome our guest for the day, John Panic, who is the financial risk director and member of the board at Barclay Insurance Group UK Limited. John is a highly experienced financial risk director specializing in professional indemnity, cyber, and other specialist insurance with over 30 years of expertise. He advises businesses on managing and ensuring financial, legal, and regulatory risk, offering practical advice and in-house training. John is a market leader in cyber insurance and a founding member and chairman of the British Insurance Brokers Association Cyber Focus Group. He regularly speaks at cyber conferences and networking events and collaborates with organizations such as CBI, Willis Tower Watson's Network and Institute of Fundraising. John is a key liaison with the Government Information Commissioner's Office and Association of the British Insurers. So, John, a warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. Uh, John, you know, as we mentioned, the topic is of very, you know, significance, in, particularly in today's world, right? When we talk about cyber and cyber insurance and especially beyond ransomware. So how has the rise of sophisticated cyber threats beyond ransomware influenced the evolution of cyber insurance policies? And what new coverage options are emerging to address these challenges? Especially, you know, when we look at the awareness front that what the end users must uh, be aware of in this area of coverage. Yeah, well, in recent years, particularly in the UK, we've seen a, a rapid evolution of, of cyber insurance. So I've been involved in arranging this type of cover for you know, 10 plus years. And um, back in the early days, no one had ever heard of ransomware. It wasn't really a thing. And the, the coverage was geared around purely third party liability. So the risk back then was um, potentially you harming somebody else's computer network and them taking legal action against you for, for the harm that you've caused them. Now, back then, you know, no one really paid much attention to cyber insurance. They didn't see much value. But obviously in recent years, and, and particularly in the last five years, we've seen the advent of so many different things that have increased cyber risk not least of which is, is ransomware and, and the huge impact that's had in terms of uh, global threats to, to computer networks, but also just how connected we all are now, how reliant all businesses and organizations are on their computer network. And particularly um, in a post-COVID world where more people are working more remotely, uh, that attack surface has grown considerably. So as a result of that, what we've seen is insurers trying to uh, evolve their insurance offering, trying to expand that fairly basic cover that existed 10 plus years ago into something that's now fit for purpose for the threats of, of ransomware and, and other sort of uh, threats that exist in the cyber world that didn't before. Now, 
what this has actually led to is at this point a market that's still evolving and in terms of the policy cover um, that is continuing to evolve but we've seen actually a shift in emphasis so m most cyber policies are, are fairly broad now and are designed to pick up the what we would describe as a third party risk so a, a business or organization's own uh, financial damage as a result of, of a, uh, a cyber event third party liability so where there's a, as a data breach for example the cover would apply to claims that come from those affected third parties against the insured organization and and particularly uh, you know, most areas around the world will have some sort of regulatory framework around um, data and data security. Uh, in the UK, there's a lot of talk about GDPR and, and in a data breach, uh, particularly a larger scale data breach, then there's a, a concern there that there could be action taken by the regulator. So all of these things now are, are adequately accounted for within the um, the insurance coverage that the market is generally offering for cyber insurance but what we have actually seen um, more uh, uh, more action and, and more efforts in in recent years by insurers has been to try and improve all of the things that sit alongside the insurance so what i mean by that is a greater emphasis on threat analysis threat monitoring so if you bought a, a, a policy that includes those elements of service, then you could expect to receive warnings whenever there's a, a heightened threat globally or locally or against your organization particularly. Um, but also insurers will provide risk assessments. Um, so where there are vulnerabilities within your own network um, that you ought to be aware of, insurers are now seeing that as, as a valuable sort of element of, of the cyber insurance offering. Beyond that, um, and, and this is where we found, particularly in the UK, cyber insurance has, has diverged from traditional insurances, there's as much emphasis on claims response as there is almost on the value of the insurance that's in force. So in the event of a, a major cyber event, um, Obviously, there's lots of different things to be thinking of. Um, there's the legal elements, there's the data uh, restoration, IT forensics. In the case of ransomware, there's the um, need to potentially negotiate with the ransomware gangs and, and other threat actors. So there's lots of different um, services that need to be called into action and insurers in the in the UK cyber insurance market have really put a lot of effort into building um, cyber incident response teams whether that's in-house or um, outsourced and and that's something now where insurers are using that as, as a way of differentiating themselves from the competition and and certainly that in the UK, that, that's unusual because most of the comparisons that we'd be making from one insurer to the next would be purely based on the uh, the cover that's being offered rather than you know, the claim service being you know, just as important. I mean, obviously it's important that an insurance claim is gonna be paid, but because with cyber events, there's more of an urgency and immediacy than the quality of the insurer 
really shines through um, if they've got a good incident response offering. So I think that's that's where we've seen more of an evolution. That's where we've seen the market evolve and focus their attention. Um, but you know the threat has uh, has sort of evolved. In addition to that, um, in other areas that we we haven't necessarily thought about before, going beyond ransomware, and and insurers are um, focusing on, on making sure that the cover they're offering is fairly um, robust when it comes to things like social engineering-based frauds. So that that's still a thing, and electronic funds transfers are are remaining a. Uh, a threat to lots of businesses and organizations and more recently there's been more of a focus on looking at the supply chain and, and vulnerabilities in the supply chain and, and that's something we haven't really paid much attention to as, as a uh, as an industry before in the cyber world you know, but you know when the supply chain uh, and somebody being hit in the su supply chain can have such a knock-on effect on so many different organizations then clearly that's that's something that insurers and insured businesses are now paying far more attention to so there's a lot going on and that evolution continues to take place but at the moment you know things are, are fairly positive and in terms of the, the combination of cover and the quality of insurers involved in the market uh, this is as, as good as it's it's ever been really so is there any you know specific insurance covers or policies available or you know is some sort of an umbrella cover that really comes in big picture yeah so um generally if if an insurer is offering um what they describe as cyber insurance then it will be a, a standalone policy and those standalone policies are pretty comprehensive so there's an expectation now that if you're buying a standalone cyber insurance policy that it will cover the third party liability the first party cover the regulatory response cyber crime or at least have the ability to have those as insurable options so providing you're buying a, a standalone cover then most of those type of policies uh, certainly amongst the quality insurers um, are pretty comprehensive where there is more of a concern and and that's and it's not so much of an issue um more recently but in previously it's been more of a concern is where cyber insurance or some watered down version of cyber cover is being offered as an add-on to some other class of insurance so historically there may have been a, com a computer insurance policy covering physical hardware where the insurers may have given some form of cyber insurance type cover that's sat alongside it and in those instances those covers just really weren't fit for purpose weren't really giving particularly adequate levels of cover or indemnity limits um, but there's been a real concerted effort within the the uk insurance market to um, for insurers to certainly avoid any inadvertent cover so under those non-cyber policies where they were accidentally giving cover because they hadn't previously excluded it then there's been a lot of tidying up and insurers are saying no we're not giving any 
accidental cyber cover or inadvertent cyber cover, if you need to, that cover, you have to buy a standalone cyber policy. So I think right. we're at a really re reasonable good position now, certainly in the UK, that there's a more mature standalone cyber insurance market that, that's relatively sophisticated. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but what we have seen within that market, and I think this is, is probably more interesting, um, certainly from a, an insurtech perspective, is that ins the insurers who are involved in the cyber insurance market fall into one of two camps. They're either insurtech-led and uh, have got quite sophisticated insurtech-led underwriting uh, systems that are carrying out risk analysis, risk assessments behind the scenes. Um, and those insurers are helping simplify the buying process. And then in the other camp, you have insurers who are operating in a quite a traditional way and are underwriting in a way that I would consider to be traditional or old fashioned. Um, but it's, it's where an, an underwriter is, is actually being presented with written risk information, um, thinking about it and, and trying to apply um, traditional underwriting processes and, and uh, rating procedures. And, you know, those two different approaches in the market, um, one is, is far more streamlined and efficient than the other. And, and that insurtech led um offering is 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 now more more uh obvious and and emerging more in the uk market than than ever before and, and we've seen that that, that distinction yeah. um making yeah. a, a more of a, an impact i think it's a very you know important uh insight particularly for the business users especially you know the kind of coverage is available and how it can really align to the needs so thanks for that insights uh so you know, moving on, uh, John, what are some key considerations for businesses looking to enhance their cyber insurance coverage beyond ransomware, particularly in light of the increasing frequency and complexity of cyber attacks? Yes, well, there's now more of a focus and, and certainly the advice that we give as, as brokers to our clients is looking at the business interruption element of cover. So. Uh, uh, previously, uh, most of the focus would have been on just the immediate impact of, of malware or a data breach and people just really focusing on what would be the f immediate financial impact, what would be the cost of rectifying the, the impact of a, a cyber event without giving much thought to the ongoing business interruption elements of, of that type of event happening. So, for example, if a um, computer network is uh, fully uh, disabled, uh, inoperable, and that business is out of action for a period of time, then clearly there's a need there to have adequate business interruption cover in force. And, and now there's more proper thought given to how much cover is needed, how long that cover needs to be in force for, and, and that's really been quite a useful discussion to have because it's led to people thinking about their own business continuity planning and disaster recovery planning. 
and and in the past there probably hasn't been that much thought given to to that from a cyber perspective you know most businesses would have focused on what would happen to the business in the event of a major fire or a flood or, or you know something happening of great consequence in the physical world but probably hadn't really thought about the consequences um, of, a, of a major cyber event you know like ransomware for example so it's really making businesses think about that and think about how they can mitigate the risk how they can manage the risk yeah. and, and also yeah. when we think about insurance how that risk can be transferred so I, th I think that's been you know probably the, the the biggest consideration for a bit for a business when they think about the coverage that they're considering and, and any cyber cover that they've currently got in force because you know that that's where when we think about ransomware and, and what insurers are paying in terms of claims if the insurer isn't paying the ransom for whatever reason and are dealing with the restoration of the network there's always going to be a business interruption element you know it's these things tend to take time to to be fully rectified and, yeah. and that's where focus on that that consequential loss cover is is really valuable and i think of course for business interruption we uh, normally have a curated kind of policy that covers such risk right well that in the past when it comes to business interruption that would always have been part of someone's um professional i'm sorry their property damage cover so you'd be covering your, your your business premises there'd be then a section in your policy covering business interruption but what most people didn't realize until recently is that that's only covering physical perils yeah. and that isn't isn't designed to cover um cyber risks so in order to be insured for business interruption it has to be a, uh, covered under your your standalone cyber insurance policy and, and that, that's a message right. that right. You know, we've been delivering to our clients um, consistently for a number of years now because it, it's it's a common misconception people think that's insured separately it but it isn't it's covered under cyber insurance and it's necessary under the cyber insurance policy because that ties in with all of the other elements of the claim that are all being dealt with concurrently and, and that's important that you have one insurer dealing with with the business interruption and all of the other parts of the the claim following a, a major cyber event. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, talking about this particular coverage, uh, normally businesses when they foresee some sort of a risk, and uh, you know, that's when they really take steps to kind of evaluate options to buy any insurance policies to kind of cover such foreseeable risk, right? So if mm. you look at the concept of really, you know, prevention is better than cure kind of a thing. Uh, so in what ways can organizations leverage cyber insurance as a strategic tool beyond mitigating financial losses, such as improving cybersecurity posture and fostering a culture of cyber resilience? So it's really not in a way you really have the need at least in the foreseeable future you really go and evaluate the options but yeah. beyond that if you look at how exactly can you create that you know culture of cyber resilience and ecosystem yeah well they, 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 that's a really interesting point because um what's um what we've found recently um is that insurers through their experience in the sort of claims that they've seen have have really raised the bar in 
their expectations on minimal levels of security that any organization needs to have in place. And I would say that particularly in the UK, um, the insurance, cyber insurance market has probably done more than any other sector to raise cybersecurity standards, cybersecurity awareness, and driven through a culture where you know, businesses need to make sure that lots of different elements of cyber risk are accounted for. So if basically as a business, if you're applying for cyber insurance and you haven't got uh, a good cybersecurity posture, then insurers aren't going to offer you cover. And where people feel that they, they are exposed and want the cover and need the cover, as indeed most people should take that view, then insurers have said, look, if you're not doing this, this and this, then we're not going to offer you cover. And that, that's really forced people to sit up and take notice because they thought, well, we've not been in this situation before. Usually if I apply for insurance, even if I'm not doing things particularly well, someone will still offer me cover. It will just perhaps cost a bit more. But they're now in a situation where insurers are saying, look, you're doing things poorly. You need to make improvements. Until you do that, you're not going to be able to buy cover. So it's forced businesses to sit up and take notice. It's forced uh, businesses to focus on a variety of different areas that it became obvious they were really weak in the post-COVID world. So what we saw obviously through various lockdowns, particularly in the UK where people started working remotely and that attack surface expanded quite rapidly, is that a lot of um, devices that were connected to networks um, just weren't properly secured. There wasn't much in the way of um, protecting remote access through pretty basic things like multi-factor authentication. Insurers have really addressed that and that's now almost a minimum standard for, for businesses now. They, they need to make sure that remote access is, is properly secured. So they've, they've made a big difference there. Insurers have driven a culture of risk awareness uh, amongst businesses to the extent that they are expecting businesses to be able to train their staff or at least give them basic awareness on things like uh, phishing and the signs of, of phishing attacks, etc., and recognizing that. Um, but also insurers have, have sort of forced people to think about um, the, the culture in general around data security, you know, getting businesses to understand what data they hold, how it's secured, how it's backed up, whether backups are properly secured, whether they're going to be capable of um, restoring data in the event of something like a ransomware attack. So it, it's really helped focus uh, businesses on what the key elements of cybersecurity and what good cybersecurity posture looks like in a way that we never expected the cyber insurance market to be driving that. The expectation was always that businesses were getting proper rounded advice from their uh, IT uh, advisors and their, their general security advisors and lawyers, etc. But in actual fact, we found that, that apart from a few exceptions, a lot of businesses were being advised in quite a fragmented way. and hadn't really joined the dots in the uh, advice that they were giving and they were perhaps thinking about the legal side of things separate to the data security side of things, 
and that in turn was separate to the operational technology side of things. So insurers have really helped bring all of those various different areas in focus um, in a way that people have got better insight into where the risks truly lie. And because the insurers have got their own uh, claims data that they can use to say, look, we know this is the area where businesses are vulnerable because this is where we're paying claims. It's been really useful and, and it's been helpful to people that want to buy the cover, but just don't know whether they're, they're actually in a good place or not from a security point of view. Insurers have, have also um, gone one step further um, and those insure tech-led insurers are producing um, risk assessments at the quotation stage. So if you're a business applying for cover, then there are insurers who will carry out uh, free of charge uh, a scan of your internet facing uh, network and um, that sort of non-invasive scan will quite often um, demonstrate whether the, uh, the network is in a good shape or not, whether it is fairly well protected. You won't give it a, an assessment of the, the business culture and, and the general uh, cyber hygiene, but it will give a good uh, snapshot of where improvements could potentially be made or if there are any sort of real red flags and, and some real vulnerabilities on there. So again, yeah. it's another area where insurers are, are really helping. Um, but, you know, this is the first time in all my years I've come across insurers really driving through that sort of degree of change. Normally, insurers are quite reactive, um, but this proactive stance that they've taken has, has really helped certainly build better cyber resilience um, within this country and, and, and for businesses that are looking to be properly insured. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an you know, end-to-end -end kind of a culture from processes to procedures to policies to practices that, you know, businesses must look at if they really want to understand and successfully build a robust culture of cyber resilience and, of course, the overall building of the posture. With that, yeah, John... Exa exactly. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, with that, John, fantastic discussions and thank you for sharing your thoughts today. A true delight to have you as our guest. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And lastly, to wrap this up, thank you for listening to the Insurance Story Podcast. See you at our next episode. Take care and stay safe. Goodbye for now.